Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11. Now when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, Go into the village opposite you and as soon as you have entered it, you'll find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing? Loosing the colt. And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded. So they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Help me out. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes, this version says, in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked all around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Today is the normal observance of Palm Sunday, and this is the passage, one of the passages that we tend to come to. I am not going to preach from this passage today. I'd like to start by sharing a story with you. Is that all right? If you don't want me to, just go ahead and leave. I just want to share a story with you. This is what we call the triumphal entry, and talking about breakthrough, I want to share a story with you of my own personal triumphal entry that happened this week. And I hope it's encouraging to you, because it's extremely encouraging to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm very tempted to stop and say, happy birthday to Elise and to Shan and to Kayla and who did I miss? Darlene and lots of birthdays there. Her birthday too? Oh, change your happy birthday. Okay. I had mine too, back in July. But now that I said it, I can move on, so thank you. I've been carrying something around inside of me for about a year. And it's not been an easy carry. And... Uh, this last Wednesday, we, we loaded up the staff and uh, Linda Stangle and Una, Ed, Rob, myself, and we went down as we do occasionally. So every six weeks we go, we sit with Joel Comiskey in his living room and we coach together about cell ministry. And uh, so this is part of our planned growth process for Cell Church. And as we're sitting in the living room, it's very common for us to. Um, Start by worship and prayer and praise, and then Joel makes us go right around the room. He puts one of these projectors in a coffee table and shoots everything up on the wall through his computer, takes notes, and recalls what we said last month and says, here's what you said last month was your praise for Jesus, and this was your prayer request. And he's got them all listed there with our names, and it's kind of embarrassing, actually, but it's a, it's a growth moment. And we go around the room and share our praise for Jesus together, and then we also share our prayer requests, and when we pray for each other. Uh, also in our group is Bill Mellencamp, who's the, the pastor at the Crestline Baptist Church, 
And he himself, I believe, is Mennonite. And so there's a guy that knows how to get over the lines. Mennonite pastoring a Baptist church. And he's part of our coaching group. And so we're going around and we're sharing our, our things. And it gets to me and I, I feel this. It was a highly spiritual moment. I'm not trying to overgloss it, but it was a spiritual moment. When I realized I was sitting with friends. I was in a living room with people who cared about me and were also ministry-minded about the kingdom of God. And I said, if there's no safer, there's no safer place than this. I said, I, I know we're kind of sharing what we're supposed to share and talking about what we're supposed to talk about, but I got to tell you something this morning. Team, I am stuck. I am stuck. And I don't know how to get unstuck. So they began to ask me questions, and we dialogued, and I shared my heart. And I said, I don't know if this is God working on me, or if it's of the devil, or if I've just been through a traumatic experience that I haven't worked out yet. And uh, Bill, Pastor Bill, is a chaplain in Crestline. On the floor in front of him, he's got a cell phone and pagers, and all. he's got a pile of electronics because he's on call. And as soon as I said, I don't know if it's a trauma, he sort of lit up. He said, trauma? <laughs> Not Pastor John, that... You know, the trauma response team comes a lot. Chaplain hears that word. I'm in. Anyway, I said, I just, I'm stuck. And I I don't know what it is, but I need help. And whatever we're talking about here, I'm sure it's important today. And I I actually caused us to come here to do this today, but I need help. And uh, so I shared my heart and uh, they quizzed me again a little further. And then Pastor Bill Mellencamp said, Joel, I know that we normally just go all the way around the room, everybody shares, and then we pray for one another. So I just think we ought to stop and pray for Pastor Jeff right now. Would that be all right? And so, let's see, was it six of us or seven of us there? I forgot to count. Uh, I just got out of my chair and got down on my hands and knees on the floor in the living room. And they began to lay hands on me and pray over me and talk to the Father just for me just for me. Pastor Bill prayed, Lord Jesus, let truth come to this situation because the word says you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. And I said, Lord, I agree with that prayer. And everybody was in agreement praying for me. I felt like a ministry glutton, selfish, all self-centered, all about me today. That's hard for me. I don't like to be the focal point. But I needed it. And I knew in this environment I'd come away with it. Lord, let truth prevail and let the truth set Jeff free. Now in that scripture, the Greek, it actually indicates to us that truth is so powerful that it's like the key that comes into the lock and turns it and opens it. It acts upon us. Truth comes and acts upon us to make us free. Not just set us free, but to make us free. So I said, thank you, Jesus. They ended their prayer. And, and, and in that moment, there was a, uh, a prophetic word that came from one. The gifts of the Holy Spirit began to move in this group. And a, a, a word of prophetic insight came. And then another one gave a word picture that spoke directly to my situation. And ministered to me an answer of help and direction for my life. I know you all thought I was perfect and always perfect and everything always goes well for me. But listen, I've been stuck. Anybody else been stuck? You know what stuck looks like? 
Man, stuck, you got to get unstuck. And sometimes when you're in the ditch, you can't get out on your own, right? But you don't just run out to anybody and tell them you're stuck, right? Because some people you tell, hey, I'm stuck. They just laugh. <laughs> They're glad you're stuck. But when you're with your friends and people that know ministry and love Jesus, they rise to the occasion and minister by the Spirit. So we had the rest of the day. We came home. You know, we had lunch. We got home. And then I was so excited to go to, the, to our cell group that's at Pastor Robin Shannon's house on Wednesday night, same day. And... Uh, now we're in the in the living room again, and we uh, you know we do our little icebreaker you know the welcome part just like we always do, and then we Rob took his guitar out and sat on the fireplace and we started and we so missed you, but we uh, played guitar and worshipped and the spirit of God just met us in the living room again, and uh, as Rob was putting his guitar away after the worship and you know getting uh, some of his notes out and getting ready to lead us into the word portion of the of the cell time together. I just sensed, you know, we're not done. The Holy Spirit wants to do something here with us. We came to invite Him to move among us. Let's, where's the gifts of His Spirit? Let's, let's not be too hurried to run out of the King's presence, as I read. Let's just wait. And I opened my eyes and looked across the room. And uh, some of you know Tina Cox. She's in the cell group with us. And I could just, I just looked and saw her and I thought, man, there it is. She's got it. Whatever it is, she's got it. You just, I could just see it on her. I'm not saying I'm highly spiritual. It's just so easy to see it. And you can see she was kind of working with her hands. And she's working with her hands. I know she's asking the question, what do I do with this? And, and I, I almost, you know, I'm not running this. It's Rob's cell. But I want to, you know, elbow Rob back and say, Rob, don't go too quick, please. I don't know what it is, but we got to let the Holy Spirit move here. And cell leaders, I want to encourage you. We're praying for the stirring of the gifts of the Spirit in our cell groups and in the church. So expect it. So here it was. And about then, she stood up out of the couch, little love seat they're sitting on there with her husband. And, and I thought, here it comes. What's going to happen? Well, she walked across the room and laid her hand on my forehead <laughs> and started praying in the Spirit. I said, wow, now I really am a glutton. It's all about me today. I mean, the Father is just all over me today. And uh, she began to speak, pray in the Spirit, and then she began to speak a word of prophecy. And, and the Lord spoke through her. I asked her, she was here last night, she said, I don't remember a thing I said. I said, well, that's how the Holy Ghost can work. You know, we're just, a, we're like mailmen. We deliver the mail. It's not for us, it's for somebody else. And that's the gifts of the Spirit. When He brings the gifts of the Spirit to us and to you, they're not for you to keep. They're for you to give away. Often, you know, prophetic word or word of knowledge, word of insight, gift of healing, miracles, all the things we find in those nine gifts, especially in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, they're gifts for giving. The Holy Spirit gives them severally as he wills to the body of Christ so that the body of Christ then operates and gives those gifts away for the blessing of others. I've had so many times when like, I'd have a word from the Lord and I'd, I'd be scared to give it or chickened out or whatever, not feeling worthy or something, and wrestling with the Holy Spirit about yes or no, when somebody else in the same setting began to give the exact same thing. And I knew it was not me making things up. It was the Holy Spirit wanting to speak to the body. And if I wasn't going to get off the diamond move, he's going to get somebody to do it. And so I learned through those processes that the gifts sometimes come to us and we're unaware of what to do. Well, I'm encouraged just to let it loose. 
First Corinthians fourteen twenty six, right? When you come together, one has a song, one has a psalm, one has a teaching, one has a tongue, one has interpretation. Let all things be done for the edifying of the church. And I'm gonna, I'll memorize that more properly, but it's about being operating together. So she begins to prophesy and says, you've been asking for forgiveness and uh, there's nothing to forgive. Now, that's a big word to hear from God. I mean, I said, well, excuse me, let me get the list out. You must not be paying attention here. I mean, I know you're God, you know everything, but how did you come up with nothing to forgive? His grace is so marvelous. He said, you've been praying for a stirring of the gifts, and I'm telling you it's a new day today, and I'm stirring the gifts in you, and I'm going to stir the gifts in the church. I'm going to begin to move again in this way among you. And a number of other things were said, and and then, uh, you know, Tina went and sat down. I went home pretty fulfilled. I'd say that was a pretty good Wednesday. Pretty good Wednesday. The thing I've been carrying around for this almost a year, it seems, has not rendered me inoperative. I'm sort of a functional, oppressed person. You know, I have functional alcoholics, functional drug addicts. You know, they can do their thing and still go to work. I've been kind of functionally oppressed. And so there were nights when I would dream about it, this issue that faced me. And I would wake up and have these just kind of rough dreams. I'd wake up 2 in the morning, 3 in the morning, and I'd have to get out of bed and go sit on the couch. And I mean, I'd be sweating in my sleep and, and not dealing with it, evidently, spiritually very well. And I'd sit out on the couch and just hang out with the Lord. I'd like to tell you, I you know, prayed, interceded for a couple hours and really got a, I didn't do that. I just sat out there and was grumpy. <laughs> and I'd sit and wait till I'd get cold, fall asleep, and go get back in bed and, and then wake up a couple hours later. But this was becoming kind of a regular thing. And so Wednesday night, I got, got in bed and went to sleep. And right before I woke up, I had a dream. And I see lots of stuff. I have lots of dreams. You'd have a lot of fun in my dreams if you could get in there. Because a lot of them are fun. And they're color and all kinds of things happen. But this one was just me and a presence of the issue I was carrying around. And it wasn't a person. It was just kind of this form, you know, dark and nothing really specific to it. But you could tell it was there. And in my dream, I reached out and grabbed it by the lapels. Kind of, it was kind of black like the shirt. I just grabbed hands full of the material. And I threw with all my might over, I'm so specific, over my left shoulder. I, maybe there's some significance. I don't know. But I just whoom, heaved as I heard the words that I was not saying, nor was this thing talking. And the words were real simple. It said, cast out the oppressor. And I woke up with a start. And I thought, oh, great. Here it is again. It's probably 2 in the morning. I wear these. Some of you wear these. You take these off. You don't sleep in them, right? Glasses. So now I can't even really tell who you are. And then we have a clock across the room in our bedroom. and There's no value to me because I can't tell what the little fuzzy thing says. <laughs> As I close one eye and pull on this one. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You're going to get it just right, you know. So I'm, all, I'm asleep, and I'm waking up, and I'm going, ah, it's probably 2 in the morning. Here we go again. I push the covers down, and I get a bead on that red little LED over there, and I close one eye and I go like this and go, oh, it's the perfect time to get up for me, 545. I just want to get up anyway. I mean, I beat my alarm clock. And then I realize I'm feeling pretty good. 
And I get up. And my spirit starts to sing. I'm a brand new creation. I'm a brand new man. Old things are passed away. I've been born again. More than a conqueror, that's who I am. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. And I'm here to tell you that I was delivered, set free, broke through by my friends, by meetings in the living room, by being with friends and caring people who knew me well enough to pray for me and minister to me and ask for God to come and give me truth and set me free. I just wanted you to know that's my story. And I'm sticking with it. There's something to be said about being transparent in our relationships with others. Being open and honest with those who care. Don't cast your pearls before swine. I'm not necessarily speaking of any of your close friends. But you know what I mean? Don't just, you don't just lay it out there for anybody. But I am sold. And we call it small groups, cells, lighthouses. I'm sold on being in the living room with people that care about it. People that are about the ministry and letting the gifts flow among us. We probably should look at 1 Corinthians 14.26 just so that I don't misquote it too much. Paul's writing, of course, we know 12 is about the gifts of the Spirit. And this 1 Corinthians 12 is about the gifts. 1 Corinthians 13 is about the operation of gifts in love and everything done in love. 14, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. I was talking to Pastor Rob last night when it says uh, one commentary or uh, giving of this passage says desire spiritual gifts, desire the best gifts. And the best gift, you know which one is the best of all the gifts? It's the one that's needed when you're there. <laughs> Amen? I mean, somebody needs healing, they don't need your prophetic ministry. Somebody needs a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom, then you know maybe miracles isn't going to be the one. The, the best gift is to desire the one that's needed in the moment. I like that, Pastor Ron. That's good. So 14 is about how to operate the gifts when you're with people in the body of Christ, the church. We get to 26 and it says, How is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each one of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. Oiko de Mayo. Everything done for the building up of the body. For the edification of others. Verse 39, I have these highlighted in my scriptures. Therefore, brothers, desire earnestly to prophesy and don't forbid to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently and in order. Now, there is an order. There is a ministry um, protocol, if you will, or a properness to it. But I, I'm, I'm just wanting you to know that this week on Wednesday for me was such an experience morning and evening and night of the gifts of the Spirit coming to set me free. And I really am a new man. I mean, some of you who got tired of me being grumpy, rejoice. It's over. Uh, somebody told me last night, you know, there's something different about you. You didn't apologize for one thing you said tonight. And you notice I've apologized numerous times when I was preaching recently because, I don't know, it's just some hesitancy, that oppression there. Here's, here's a biblical de- description of, of oppression. Could I borrow you? 
Is it, may I oppress you for a moment? <laughs> he'll be he'll be hard to oppress, but oppression it works like this: two people walking together and sharing life. Uh, if you if you can see it's two people, but I want to bring it in as the enemy comes alongside at times. He knows our our weak spots. He knows our failures. He knows where to attack. He's got his little fiery darts. But oppression is is starts subtly with this pressure on like this and. And it doesn't all come at once. Maybe that'll last for a few weeks like that. And then it's a little more, a little more, and just pushes down until finally this is how you are. And you're trying to live life like this. And the enemy is oppressing this pressure. The Greek word is philipsis. It means thank you. You're very kind. It wasn't too bad. I release you in Jesus' name. Be free. Philipsis means to take like a stack of loose papers you know, you throw them all together and make a stack and oppress all the air out of between them. So the enemy comes to oppress means he's trying to squeeze all the air out of your life. So for me, this reaching in and grabbing, you might want to gesture with me at some point today. Say, I'm going to cast out the oppressor. Amen? Amen. First Thessalonians 5.19 says, don't quench the spirit. We need the Spirit of God. Holy Spirit, we need you. It's so easy to say that. We need you to come and move among us and deliver your giftings. And oftentimes in this setting, it doesn't happen. You know, it can happen with a prophetic word, or maybe there'll be an altar call for prayer and ministry, uh, or, or something will occur generated by the Spirit of God. And we're waiting on that this morning. That's why we worship the way we worship. That's why we use the music the way we use it. We want to have that pause, that moment. We say, just let's back. Let's not be us right now. Let's be all about him. And then, Lord, stir the gifts. And in the near future, we'll actually orchestrate services, celebrations together where we're saying, okay, when you come, you be ready. You come knowing what the Lord spoke to you this week. Share it with the church. Let the gifts loose. Let's begin to discover among ourselves and in ourselves where the gifts are. Then we'll know how God uses us and let life flow again in the body. And Peggy came up and talked to me a moment ago, and she was just broken and crying, saying, I just feel like we have such a breakthrough. I just sense it in the spirit. We're at a new place. Janina, my daughter, and I sat down on, what day was that? Saturday morning. Yeah, yesterday morning. We were talking through some things, and... And in the process of talking with her, she moved back into her house in December. And I just was on the phone with her one day. She said, what do you think I should do? I said, I think you'll just come home. Why don't you just move back in with us? Just come get in the, get in the stream of what God's doing here. And here's an oppressed man inviting somebody else to join him. <laughs> I was functional, though. I was happy. I was happy. And uh, so she moved home. And as we were talking Saturday morning, and I was sharing with her my, my new creation, my brand new man, my moment of breakthrough. She said, you know, when the day we were on the phone and you said, she was driving to Big Bear at the time, and, and we were talking on the phone, and I said, why don't you just come home? She said, the day that you said that, I knew I was supposed to come home in order to be an intercessor for you. I was to come home and begin to pray for you. She never told me this. She never told Peggy this. I don't know if she told anybody else this, but she didn't tell me. 
And you know, let me show you how it worked. Two o'clock in the morning, I'd have one of those dreams, the oppressive thing would happen, I'd wake up and I'd go sit on the couch. I spent more nights on the couch this last year than probably in my bed. I mean, there's a dent there, you know. <laughs> Peggy has to change the cushion so you can't tell. That's his place. And I'd get up and be grumpy and find my way through the dark, and then I'd hear Janina still awake in her room. Well, I'm a dad, right? I mean, what is she doing up at 2 in the morning? She's still a little girl to me. She's 30, but, you know, to me she's just a kid. I said, how come she's still awake? So what's she doing in that room? I heard she's talk, talking to some texting probably. Something. And I'd be grumpy. She tells me on Saturday morning, she says, you know, there were lots of nights where I'd be, I'd be wakened and have to pray for you. I thought, oh, man, what a bad dad I am, thinking those thoughts. When really she may have been in there just praying for me at the same time I was awakened. She was awakened and began to intercede for me. Because I couldn't carry the load of my own. I couldn't. I could not do it without other people carrying me. So you've been carrying me. Thank you. I am grateful. And I am sincere. And uh, maybe you get a break now. It was kind of weird to have something and not know what it is and... And, and not really know you're not free. And so then and then our conversation on Saturday, I'm, you know, I'm being very transparent, very honest and open with you this morning for some specific reasons, of course. She said, as I was praying for you this week, I felt it lift. The burden lifted. My My reason for being in your home has lifted. I don't feel like I need to be interceding for you anymore. I'm sure she'll pray for me, you know, but there's a difference between battling it out for somebody in, in prayer and just praying, blessing them and being on their team, you know. But she was holding up a piece of what I couldn't hold. But she said, earlier this week, I felt it lift. And, of course, I'm going to go, what time on Wednesday was that? <laughs> or was it Thursday morning when we cast out the oppressor? Don't quench the spirit. Transparency in relationships. Uh, Rob, maybe you can help me with this statement. I think it's in Frazee's book, and I, I want to get it and kind of memorize it, but it goes something like this. You can, you can have small groups without community, but you'll never have community outside of a small group. Is that how it went? You can have small groups. You have Bible studies. You can have worship clutches and, and intercessory meetings and support groups. You can have small groups without ever building community. But you'll never have community unless it's in a small group where people love you and care for you and minister to you. And uh, I'm, I'm glad we're recording this because the first thing I want to do is send a copy of this to Pastor Bill Mellencamp. As a thank you. I want to bless that man for being the trauma guy that ran in the moment. The one that didn't know me very well. But could look objectively and say, we need to pray now. And he led the charge. And you can ask these other guys that were with me that day. Linda and Rob and Ed and Una. And uh, you can say, you know, is he different? I hope they say yes. And I hope you say yes. I hope you like the new me. 
This is the casual me. No. But that's my triumphal entry this week. I feel like I'm back alive. I feel like life is in front of me again. I'm not living it in the rearview mirror anymore. I'm like Rick Bazette's wife. And I know that doesn't mean anything to you, but Rick Bazette talked about his wife. They'd hop in their old Bronco and take off driving, and he'd be in the passenger seat, and the rearview mirror kind of dangled. You know, and he'd be looking at it and looking at her, looking at it, and she'd just be driving along. He said, Aren't you going to fix that? She said, Fix what? That mirror. No. Why should I? I'm not going that way. I'm going this way. And I thought, there's a revelation there. Like, how honest can you be? We're going forward. Thank God for his breakthrough. I'm thanking God. That's my testimony. I always want to testify. I think there's power in saying what God has done for you. And, and I share it with you this morning by way of example, of course. That this is available for everybody, right? It's available to everybody. If you'll be in community with a few people that love you and that you can't hide from and you don't want to hide from, you know, it's not that checker you're talking to when you're in the checkout lane. Hi, how are you today? Oh, I'm fine. You're lying through your teeth and you know it. And, and you wish there was somebody that really would ask the question that had time to listen toward the answer. Right? How are you today? And you think, do I tell them? And when you don't have anybody in your life, you might spill over on the wrong person. And you watch him backing up, going, oh, I, I really didn't want to know that much about how you're doing. But, you know, in the living room with these guys on Wednesday, and in the living room Wednesday night at Rob's house with that team of people that I know care about me, I can just put it out there and get healing and get freedom and get deliverance, get the need met. Let Great. Let's, uh, do I have the portable there? Let me, let me do this because we got people that do this online with us, and it'll be Mr. MC there with the microphone. Let's do that. And I'll put the cell notes together a different way for cells. The, uh, a similar situation happened to me. About a month and a half ago when I was working in Bishop, I went to uh, Bishop Christian Center and you know, the whole time up there, you know, struggled with a lot of uh, different things. And during the worship time at uh, Bishop Christian Center up there, uh, they, uh, a lady stood up and gave a prophetic word that was really aimed, I mean, for me, it was directly at me. I mean, the Holy Spirit just nailed me and really uh, lifted a burden, you know, from me for, you know, uh, guilt and not trusting in you know uh, God's grace and that his grace is indeed sufficient and you know as far as so far as I set you free as east is from the west mm-hmm. and so far as I removed your sin from you and uh, so that was for me you know a couple weeks ago and I I know the feeling of just walking out of there and like wow I can I can stand up straight and I can it's, it's good so, praise your God. pressure is off Great. Last week, uh, one of our discussions was, how do I get rid of all the junk that's in me? Mm-hmm. 
And what I described to them was something that I've used in my own life also, and that is that it's, it needs to be like open-heart surgery, where you literally sort of split your, your body open, <laughs> and there's darkness in them. And what you need to do is to reach down into that place and lift out the darkness that, even in the darkness of the corners, to lift it out. Literally feel like you're lifting it up physically and raising it up and asking Christ to take away that darkness. Take it, Lord. And to replace it with the light of his love. And that illumination of the light of his love will help you to lift out all of the darkness that is within you. And you need to physically feel as though that's what you're doing. To be like open heart surgery. Yeah. Open life on surgery. The, yeah, on the spirit man. The center core of your being man. Yeah. Yeah. Praise God. I know we were talking about a lot of spiritual things from within, but I think that many of us have oppressions because of something that's going on in our life that we have to physically remove. Mm -hmm. And I've had that experience a couple times uh, recently about you know things that I had to remove out of my home, <laughs> and I think you know one of them. Yeah. You know, uh, you know the kind of the people that maybe that you're maybe associating with or, or something that you're doing that's, uh, that once you remove that, then the oppression lifts. Mm -hmm. So we have to con consider what we're doing and, and who we're with and, you know, and, and, uh, and it's not just a spi then the spiritual can happen, but the spiritual mm -hmm. won't happen until the physical is done. Mm. So we have to look at what we're doing sometimes. There are hands everywhere. Um, this morning, I um, I sat down for my quiet time up down at the park, and um, I just had some worship music on, and um, God really just kind of met me and kind of revealed. Just I've been having weird issues with my emotions lately, and I've been I've been really pouring out to Una, just trying to get answers, and and been just kind of confused about everything. And God just kind of revealed to me that I had a lot of um, just kind of hardness in my heart where I didn't, I didn't want to, I was angry about something. And I, mm -hmm. I've just been really angry and I've been putting it all on him. And I haven't wanted to believe a lot of stuff that he would put in front of me. I wouldn't want to praise him or give him thanks or anything or just be happy. And, you know, I, I just was giving all my anger and putting it on God and being angry at God for just things. And, um, and I was condemning myself over it. And this morning, God just really kind of met with me and, and just kind of said to me that even though all these things that I was putting on him, he wasn't mad at me for any of it. And that because of Jesus dying on the cross, I'm freely forgiven of it. And I can love God freely, even though I still have to work through. And, and it was just it was such a freeing moment that you know, even though I have tons of pride and I condemn myself for it, God doesn't even look at it, he doesn't see it because just because Jesus died for me, because he loved for me and, and 
So that was like such a humongous breakthrough this morning for me. Praise God. Amen. That bitterness go in Jesus' name. It's my turn. <laughs> um, you come from a family that, of, that farms, used to farm. <laughs> We're <laughs> <But> farmers, boy. <laughs> but you know, uh, there's a, a term or a, um, a season of, of rest for the land after it's been planted for a long time. They, they let the land rest because it's been toiled over and over and over again. It doesn't have the nutrients it needs to, um, to produce a good fruit and a good harvest. Uh, but I, I, I just got back from a, just a little God retreat. I just went out and seeking God. and um, I was in my Bible time. Something hit me. It was in Hebrews 4. And I thought, yes, this is this is it, but it's not real. It's for me, but I think it's not just for me. It's 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 for the church especially. And it's it so confirming this morning hearing the the last song and uh, um, what's being said here today, and and with what Pastor Jeff has has given us out of his uh, own life. But I just want to read that real quick, um, or real slow, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> so we get it. Uh, but in Hebrews 4, it, it just simply states the promise of rest. And it says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. And I stopped there and I said, I, I, needed, I need to rest. <laughs> I should be fearful because there's a rejuvenation that comes after that rest. And uh, it's exciting. Uh, For indeed the gospel was preached to us well as, as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, for he spoke in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place, they shall not enter my rest. My heart was getting heavy there. I'm like, so I'm getting discouraged. I can't get the rest. (laughs) Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, today, as such a long time, as it has been said, today, if you were hearing his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. Speaking of entering the promised land. There, um, there remains therefore a rest for the people of God, for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. And I thought, wow, yeah, there was, an, uh, there was a drive for the um, people of Israel. And they know that there's a, Joshua spoke of it and encouraged their hearts that there is a, around the corner, there's, there's the promised land coming. And um, but can you imagine after forty years with Moses and and that generation didn't make it and and how discouraging it must be that there's is this is this rest really there <laughs> you know how how much can it can it become like a disillusionment and does it really exist? Uh, but then Joshua said, as you remember in, in Joshua uh, that says tomorrow we're going over we're crossing the river. And we're doing it, um, but when, when Pastor Jeff spoke about Bill saying, um, praying to God, let truth enter this situation. This this next passage reminded me of that. This was only two days uh, after the after we had met in Joel's room. Um, 
the, the title here says, The Word Discovers Our Condition. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and it's discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eye of him to whom we must give an account. And thinking that God really does know my situation. I'm not a loner out here in the desert. I'm not a loner out here in this turned-up soil. I just need to stop fighting against it and just really let Jesus, let the Word of God minister to my heart and expose the things that, that maybe are, are uh, unforgiveness or have, have bad seeds of bitterness. or, or um, you know, I just need to st- let go of, of trying to do it all myself and let God take control and let His Word minister to my spirit. Seeing that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness, but was in all points tempted as we, as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne room of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And I really believe that, yeah, there is a new season, and we have turned over that seat in that corner. It's like we crossed the river of, of whatever this was. And now, boom. Man, this is exciting. The rest of God brings such a peace and such a joy in the journey now that's, that lies ahead. That, that we, Man, it's exciting. We're seeing new blood in the church, and we're seeing new, um, just a, a new spirit of, of revival, it seems like, in the, in the gifts of the Spirit. And we're going to see God speaking to the hearts of people once again and reviving us and pulling us out of the darkness and out of this fallow ground and making us fruitful for the harvest. It's going to be awesome. So, thank you. Amen. Good. Hallelujah. How are we doing? Thanks, Pastor Jim, for allowing the, the floor to step into this promise here in First uh, Corinthians fourteen twenty-six. It's rare. Um, most churches don't, don't allow this to happen. Uh, there's a lot of control in our church settings that uh, can stifle the river of God as you see it manifest in the New Testament. As you read through the Gospels, you'll notice that the Gospel message never, ever happens anywhere in the Gospels without the power of God manifesting. The gospel was never meant to compete with all the other isms in the world. Our word against their word, powerless. The Bible against the Koran. Christians against Muslims. Christians against Jehovah Witnesses or Mormons. There was always the power of God. Paul says, I did not come preaching with enticing words of men's wisdom, but I came in power and in demonstration. And that only works through the body. I mean, now God raises up apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers but they are to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. If the foundation is seen and the lively stones are underneath it being stifled, you will not see a fresh river of God flow because that's not how it works in the New Testament pattern. Now it says in Romans chapter 1, verse 4, that the Son of God came with power according to the spirit of holiness. Now, it's one thing to say, Lord, forgive me my sins, 
and we can do that every week. But God wants to go deeper than that. He wants the power of God to flow in us according to the spirit of holiness. And that gets a little deeper past, oh, I sinned today. There's like seven different definitions of sin. One of them is missing the mark. It's another thing to have God deal with your iniquities. Those little habits that are inbred into your flesh that you constantly war against and you never seem to have total victory over it. It says in, um, in Micah chapter 7, at verse 18, Who is like God unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delights in mercy. He will turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities. And thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto thy fathers from the days of old. Seduce our iniquities. God wants to go deeper than just, okay, we messed up today. He wants to clean that out of our lives so that the power of God can flow by the spirit of holiness. Now, I appreciate what you said about Janina was up in prayer. And if you read through the Old Testament, you notice that the lamps in the temple were lit 24-7. This is a lamp that you light every morning that you get up. You say, today, Lord, I'm going to rise early enough to, to light this lamp and keep it burning. It starts with prayer, and it starts with uh, some meditation and probably some Bible reading and, and spending time with the Lord, and you do that daily. If the enemy talks you out of this discipline, you're going to open this door. You're not going to clean like the dentist drilling a hole in your teeth and cleaning it out before he can fill it. If you don't drill that out with a discipline daily, you'll not get this breakthrough that we're talking about here today. But I believe God wants a fresh river of God to flow, and I believe God wants to clean everything out of our lives so it can flow. And this is a great start. Thanks, Pastor, for opening the floor here. And that's what's on my heart today. So be blessed. That's me. I turned off because I was causing some conflict, I think. Well, here we go. Does it feel awkward to anyone? So this is kind of different. <laughs> I like different. I like new. That's kind of a, a, a trait of pastoral ministry that we like to do something new all the time, you know. But I've not been doing that for a couple of years, not because of being stuck, but because I'm focused on helping us live in community so that these kind of things can happen. We learn how to do this in the living rooms. Coming here to the big living room will not be any more difficult to have it happen here. And I'd like to see this fresh stream of God too, Gary, with the miracles, healings. Have a nice day, birthday girl. Um, not just signs and wonders for signs and wonders' sake, but like what you were saying, everywhere the kingdom of God comes, 
things happen. People are healed, deliverances manifest, people are blessed, and uh, good things happen. Well, I'm going to give up on the second message I had to preach. Is that all right with you? We'll save that one for another day. And, uh, You're ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm already ahead. I do want to, in wrapping up, I have a number of things I want to share with you that, that are kind of housekeeping, okay? One is to illuminate the youth. I don't know if I was going to have a slide up there or what, but uh, Tuesday we started weekly meetings with our youth again, and they're, uh, they changed the name of their youth from Celebration Youth CY, uh, which means we've got to run through the building and strike all the CY stuff uh, that's hanging around. And now they're calling themselves Illuminate, Illuminate Youth. I don't know if the youth is actually a piece of that or not, but Illuminate. And I think uh, BJ's already got a shirt designed and everything, right? So, well, you're the one. Thank you, BJ. Uh, maybe we'll see something. So uh, we're, uh, we want to be praying and interceding for our young people. This uh, breakout, breakthrough to happen for them, and, and I think they start off had about 20 kids here on Tuesday, and glad for that. Uh, cool. Illuminate. You drew that on your computer, bro. Good job, man. Illuminate. You do that freehand with your mouse, or. Oh, okay. Cool. Like the cross in there. Illuminate. That'll give you something to illuminate about. <laughs> That's bad, I know. Anyway, so be praying for them. Uh, other youth you know, kids, grandkids, whoever you know, uh, invite them. 6.30, right? 6.30 on Tuesdays. And uh, they take over the building. So we'll probably need some Gestapos around here for a long. Uh, Good Friday this week, uh, just to try to clear this up, I think in, in here, uh, it says prayer first, right here under Bev's beautiful picture. You're even looking good in black and white. <laughs> prayer first, first Friday of the month, we have prayer first here, 6 to 8 in the Celebration Center. And on April the 2nd this year, which is Good Friday, it's, it says carry your cross prayer walk. Um, in place of evening meeting, if you'd like to get out during the day and have a good Friday time of prayer on our prayer first day, um, Jim Dennis, you're part of this, right? You're helping lead the charge. Lucy Torres, we're going to start with this cross. If you're leaving today, you'll see the cross that's mounted on the building as you drive in. We're going to take that cross down and, and carry it starting here at 9 a.m. From We're going to pray here and then go to Easy's over Sugarloaf, pray over Sugarloaf. Then we're going to move down to the high school and pray over the high school. And youth, it's specifically designed to targeted youth, praying for youth. And we're going to move from the high school. All that will be done in cars and driving. And then we're going to go to the, high, or the convention center and meet at about 1030. We'll be there. And then we're going to start walking from the convention center all the way through town to Veterans Park, taking turns carrying the cross, literally carrying it, and praying as we walk, praying for the youth of our community, praying for what God puts on our heart. and. You know, we'll just hand off and take turns in sharing. There's businesses along the way that have been very supportive. There's the water stops and potty stops and things like that that are necessary. Um, but, you know, there's, there's a lot of good support for it in the, in the neighborhood. 
And it's just a demonstration of what Jesus did for us on Good Friday also, as well as praying for our youth. So I've also given uh, in the facilitation guide for cell leaders, just to let you know from last week, I think, and again this week, we'll remind you that if you on Good Friday evening want to take your lighthouse and go together to one of the Good Friday services that are being held around the other churches, please do that. Go as a group, go as a family, go as a lighthouse and attend. I'm not sure where they're all at right now. I should have had a list ready, but go and um, maybe I think First Baptist is going to have one and probably Community and Calvary. and One of the most fun ones I ever went to is took my kids to the Lutheran Church on a Good Friday. That that was amazing to me. It was one of the most powerful evenings I'd ever had on a Good Friday. And, and if you've never been to one of those, they're pretty liturgical and kind of standard. So... Um, I won't tell you how it goes. But I can tell you this. When it ended, I almost jumped out of my skin. And it was exciting. And kind of hopped in the pew there, which made it slightly Pentecostal. <laughs> Only slightly. But uh, if you are not going to be going somewhere else or you don't do the walk during the day, then I'll be here at 6 and uh, we'll do some praying together on prayer first. Okay? Uh, there's also, should let you know, Bobby Martinez. Love you know Bobby has organized an Israeli breakfast at Pine Summit. It's a one-hour deal at Pine Summit from 8 to 9 on Good Friday morning. It's a cost event. It's $12. But I thought it was for a a select group of people, so I never mentioned it. I didn't want to invite people to her thing. But I talked to her this week. She said, oh, no, anybody can come. And I went, "Ah, I'm behind the eight ball here, kind of not getting the news out. But if you'd like to attend that, it's an Israeli breakfast, whatever that is, and it's a buffet, so you can buffet your body. <laughs> so scripture. And uh, bringing her subjection, but it's 8 to 9, and uh, I think you have to have a ticket or at least get an RSVP so they know you're coming. So Bobby Martinez will be the one to call there. So all that's happening on Friday. We will not have a Saturday evening service, which looks like it doesn't necessarily fit you anyway. But in case you were planning on coming Saturday night and going off being with family on Easter somewhere else, we won't be here Saturday night. We're going to let the sunrise service and our regular 930 service here fill the bill for the weekend, okay? The sunrise service is at Pine Summit from 630 to 730 sharp. First Baptist Church is going to be doing the music with us because their service is at Pine Summit at 830. And nobody can load in their gear on Saturday night this year. So pray for the Baptist worship team because they're going to be up at three in the morning hauling all their gear i don't know what time they're going to get up they have to be up there set up tune up practice and be ready to go at six thirty in the morning while you're getting a little stuff out of your eyeball there they're going to be awake so pray for them it'll be a great morning pastors are going to help share scripture and read and uh, celebrate together okay and then we'll be back here at nine thirty. and that's it for the vanna white part Thanks for listening this morning. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the parts of your body. Thank you for the promise of stirring the gifts of your spirit among us. Thank you for breakthrough. Lord, thank you for new rivers of your spirit flowing among us. Thank you for your desire to bring holiness into your house. Thank you for your grace, which is sufficient for us to, to live out what would be impossible to live out otherwise.
Let your grace cover us. Strengthen us, Lord. And I pray for every cell leader that is gathering weekly with people in the living room, that you'll stir the gifts in them, that you'll stir a strength into their, their leadership, that you'll give them a new breakthrough. Lord, I pray for those in the house here that have not yet um, joined into one of our cell groups, Lord, that you'll bless them with a desire. Give them the grace to change their schedule or meet uh, with people that will begin to care for their soul and minister life to them via the Spirit. Thank you for these things as we offer prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.